Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. I'm going to um, ask you to make a bit of a commitment um, this week. The, the, the fact is that neither God nor Satan functions independently. He requires cooperation from the people on earth who he's given authority to. That's you and I. <clears throat> One of the probably the most strategic elections that we've ever faced, I, me anyway, is happening this month, another week. And uh, we're partnering with the Cry Canada to agree to pray every day that the voice of the church would be heard privately and collectively, that we would pray for God's hand to move in the hearts of people who are making decisions for the future of our nation. So, uh, so I have a prayer that we've written out and we have them uh, written on cards. And I'd ask you to agree with me in prayer. And this is as close as we can get to what we think the heart of God is. So we've, we've scribed it, or the cry scribed it for us. And I'd ask you to pray with me this morning in faith together that God would move in the hearts of all Canadians as they vote. And we're not trying to control a situation trying to release the purposes of God from heaven to earth. Would you pray with me together? Lord, we magnify today the name of Jesus over Canada, and we declare that our trust is in you and you alone, O Lord. We humble ourselves before you in repentance for our many grievous sins and plead your blood over our land. In this election, we pray you would cause us to elect candidates whose hearts are soft to your will, who will stand for righteousness, and who will have wisdom to govern Canada in these times. We pray that you would remove those who do not have your heart or wisdom to govern Canada. And for the sake of our children and future generations, we ask that you would release great honor for your word upon all of Canada, and that you would expose corruption in government, and that you would convict Canadians from sea to sea to turn to you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And we thank you for your mercy and grace. In your name, amen. <clears throat> all right. Thank you. You can be seated. <clears throat> thank you, worship team. <clears throat> um. If we're not willing to fight for the things we want, we should not complain about things that we lose. Um, the, the word of the Lord that keeps coming to me from Esther chapter four and verse 14 for such a time as this, and it, it actually is a weighty word for me. I feel weight with it, which requires us to discern what are the times, what is the time in which we live. And while you may not agree with me, and I've said that's fine, 
still ask you to be kind. Um, um, I think that when we're wondering how we should act, Micah chapter 6 and verse 8 makes it pretty clear how we should act. And I just want to remind us of what that looks like. That he has shown you, O oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, to love work, mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. This, these three specific mandates, uh, at any given time, I am disobeying at least one of them. It's one thing to love mercy, so, sorry, to, to, to uh, love justice. And aren't we to stand for justice? But can we do it by, at the same time as loving mercy? not wanting people to get what they deserve, as well as walking humbly, meaning we're teachable in the process. Are we able to do all three of those at one time? <clears throat> I find that a great tension. So if that's difficult for me, I'm assuming it could be also equally as difficult for you. So what if we could love justice, and, or act justly, and love justice, and also love mercy and act merciful? And also love humility and walk humbly. I wonder, I wonder what, if that would change the tone on our social media posts, I wonder. <clears throat> it would for me. One of the problems that we have when we're posting things which media, social media especially is meant to be our friend, it never can discern the spirit in which something is released. But it's picked up by the spirit of those who are reading it. I want to just say that we're living in a very specific time like we've never, we've never really been in this time before. And so uh, yesterday when our prime minister says that to bring people together, it may, requ it may require, it said, he said, that it may require not, uh, uh, how did he say it? I kind of wrote it down here. Uh, it may go against science and against human rights. That's what he said. Okay, so you know what he's effectively stated is the day and the age, the time in which we live. And the Bible calls that a time of lawlessness. And the mystery of iniquity, and iniquity by definition, is the violating of God's word. So we're meant to be led and governed by people who are upholding constitutional rights and freedoms of people. That's what they're held accountable to. And when that doesn't matter anymore, that means that they are no longer functioning out of any stated law, but out of a law unto themselves. We're in an age of lawlessness. So what should the righteous do? Because we talk about these two kingdoms that are clashing, and we sing about them. And so, uh, you know, and I try to talk about them in the right spirit. And uh, so I thank the people that asked for clarification this week on what I said last week. Um, I appreciate that. But I want to state something very clearly to you is that, first of all, if, I didn't, if you didn't get this, I want to say it clearly. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I've had vaccines in my life. But I am against non-consensual vaccinations. I'm against the mandate and the forcing of vaccinations on people who don't want them. That's a violation of their freedom and their rights. 
Anybody who wants to is welcome to do what you want. But me personally, I'm against somebody forcing me to do something that I am not in favor of doing. That is unethical and unbiblical, as I've stated, and have been misunderstood by saying so. I wanted to make that clear. So just in case uh, you were wondering, because I believe that that discrimination defaces the image of God. And part of the image of God which you carry is that's a personal choice. That's, that's the image of God that you bear. Okay. Bible says that we're to not just rejoice with those that rejoice, but we're to weep with those that weep. And there's a groan that's coming up among, from the congregation that is expressed to me on a regular basis that I'm trying to steward well and I'm trying to carry well that people are facing choices and ultimatums that they've never had to face before in their careers. And, um, and I, want us, I want to try to share with you a value and a principle that we carry in this house as well as how does that function uh, in such a time as this. So I want to talk this morning about generosity. Um, generosity uh, extends to more than just our finances. It t- it, it, it goes into our emotions, into our time, goes into our, are we generous with compliments? Um, it goes into every area. So, so this is something that we're constantly, I am constantly challenged with, and I want to constantly be open to how do we continue to grow? How do we be generous? And um, so that's the, the, the topic um, this morning, all with a backdrop from Esther chapter 4, and verse 14. What I want to try to remind us, because I've talked about Bible prophecy uh, over the last couple of weeks, and prophecy has to be paired with history. If we don't learn from history, which it's proven that we rarely do, if we don't learn from history, we are potentially going to repeat it. And that's, that's not wisdom. So when I look at the book of Esther, I find the first thing that you see is there was an evil plot. That evil plot was exposed. And I think that we're living in just such a time as that. And that there's Esther's being positioned to speak up so that the kingdom of God may be advanced, not the evil agenda of the Hamans in the world. I'm saying that, this is oversimplifying, of course. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> so I want us to be aware of the Bible says about our times and the, and the future. But one, there, there's three dangers, there's three dominant spirits that are vying for expression. And I've spoken and prayed a lot about the spirit of Antichrist. This, the, the, that spirit that's against anything that Christ is for. Uh, There's another spirit that is a religious spirit that distorts Scripture when we read it. So if you read the Scriptures uh, with with a spirit, you'll complicate what the Spirit of God is trying to say because he's anything but religious. And so when you read Matthew chapter 24, a religious spirit would say that that God is actually putting those things in place. Wars, rumors of wars, famines. So that's, not, that's not the heart of God. 
What he's doing in Matthew 24 is he's describing a situation that is the result of lawlessness that's on the land. That people have rejected the word of God, they rejected the spirit of God, they're going against the presence of God, they're denying that there even is uh, the, uh, the, the, uh, a, a, um, a government of the kingdom of God, and they've brought about situations on the earth where do wars come from? They do not come from God. They come from greedy men. <laughs> <clears throat> So, he, so a religious spirit would look at that and say, oh, God's coming to judge people. No, he's describing what happens when people reject God and his ways and his word and his principles. Do you get what I'm trying to say? So he's describing why, why would there be famines? You think the Lord wants to take food from people? A religious mind would say, it'll make you holy. It'll, no, it'll make you hungry. There's enough land to feed everybody but there is an evil plot to try to control the amount of food that people produce. Did you know that? That's, go, that's kind of going on. And so what will be the result be? Well, there'll be shortage of food. Why? Because we're unable to produce it? No, because political greedy people will be putting in place restrictions for people to be free to be able to grow food. So just think about it. Say law. Okay, this is a little introduction. <clears throat> um, um, so this is us, people of the word, who have ears to hear, heart to discern, and a will to obey. This is us, not withholding, but giving. We're not takers, we're givers. We're generous. What happens when God touches a life, the first thing that happens is they realize, ah, my life's been spared. How, what can I do to help another life? That's what, that's what it does. If you've been touched by the grace of God, something happens within you. Is the, now, what happens within you is you've been the, given the grace to give. Otherwise, you want to function by the world system, get all you can, put it in a can, sit in the can. John Wesley would say, no, get all you can, make as much as you can, and give as much as you can. A heart that's been touched by God's grace is generous. This is us, people whose hearts have been touched by the grace of God. And grace is an ability that God gives us to fulfill what he's asked us to do. Okay. So what, so what happens um, in, in the book of Esther is that there's a plot and it's exposed. And the protagonist, Mordecai, his name is mentioned 58 times. And he, he, it's such a phenomenal story. I try to read it now each day because it just blows my mind how unreligious the whole story is. Est, Esther, a pure Jewess, uh, ends up in the court of a lustful Gentile king who worships Zoroaster. It's the Persian gods, uh, the Persian religion of the time. You thought, when would that ever, well, of course, the religious mind can't figure out. Uh, and, and of course, if they were kosher, she would, have, she would have been difficult to hide the kosher laws while you were in the court of the king. I mean, it was okay for Daniel. They said, no, no, we're not going to eat that food. But for her, she chose not to. I just think this is phenomenal. So what, what happened then is um, it's such a drama. 
um, her, her influence, Esther's influence, to get her uncle in a place of influence, which was a modern court of law. What's going on? God's at work. He's using Esther's influence to get Mordecai to direct the king's business. This is, this is So they have the ear of the king, and now influence the king. This is on right now. Don't think for a doesn't have his people in places that have access to the ears of government influencers right now. <laughs> right now. <clears throat> so, so it, by, between chapter 2 and chapter 3, four years take place. And we'd like... There's four years are taking place and Vashti has been disposed and Esther has had her coronation and she's rising to a place of influence. And she somehow, this isn't, a, to, to, to hide your racial origin is not a sin. It's no problem. They were able to do it for a certain time, and then something happened one day. So, so Esther's queen, Mordecai's handling the king's business, and then one day everything changed. One day, like that. All the Jews in the empire were instantly in danger of being killed to satisfy the hatred of Haman. Overnight. Happened super quick. Is that possible to be repeated ever? Yeah. Careful that this is not just a nice Bible story to read to the kids at night. What if it's possible that this is something that could take place in your and my world? What, what if that's possible? Hypothetically. What, what if that's possible? I mentioned last week about the birth pangs in Matthew chapter 24. It, what an interesting description. Because what... It, when there's birth pangs, what happens next? Baby. Once a baby's born, you can't reverse that. What's being birthed? What's being birthed is a new world order. That's, what, that's what's in labor right now. And Psychology 101 says there's a, a bias called a normalcy bias, which wants you to think everything's going to be normal. I don't want to see anything that's abnormal. But you and I have been given ears to hear and eyes to see what God is orchestrating in heaven and calling it to pass on the earth. <clears throat> Got your attention? Haman is the personification who want to exterminate the people of God and their purpose. How do you silence the, how do you, how do you eliminate or silence the purposes of God so you can do whatever you want on the earth? Silence the people of God. Shut down the churches. You understand that we've lived in a time that says close the churches and open the liquor stores and think that, and even the strip clubs. Is that okay? No. Our silence is our compliance. And so we remain complicit in the agendas, the end times agenda of the enemy to get a foothold rather than establishing the kingdom of God on the earth. There's more toes to step on, don't worry. <clears throat> Thank you. Give it a try. He overplays his hand. The enemy always does this. He overplays his hand. What happens with Haman? He's given enough rope literally to hang himself. The enemy's hand is being overplayed right now. There's an ungodly, haymanic agenda, plot, that's underway. He refused to pay homage. Mordecai refused to pay homage to Haman. Haman didn't... And it wouldn't have been wrong to respect the office that Haman held, but not respect him as a person. That, wouldn't, that would have been okay. 
I told you how to handle, uh, last week I said, here's how we, how we address government leaders. We respect their office even if we disagree with their policies. We're respectful. All right, I'm gonna get to my point in just a minute. Um, we need to know the difference between personal prejudice and a word from God. Because throughout scripture, whenever there was civil disobedience, each one of those men or women had a word from God. We just don't act out, we wait and we hear the voice of the Lord and we act on the word. Not on personal prejudice. Um, Martin Luther King would say this, he says, my conscience has been, is being held captive by the word of God. Oh, that it would be so with you and I, that our conscience would be captive by the word of God, not just hearsay. Am I helping? I'm trying to help. I'm not meddling, I'm trying to help. Okay, thank you, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm trying to help, all right. So this is us. Matthew chapter, or Luke chapter 16. Um, every, in every generation, I'm gonna say for me every year, I need a fresh revelation of finances, stewardship, and generosity. Matthew chapter, or sorry, Luke chapter 16. Uh, I'm just going to read a few passages. Verse 10, unless you're faithful in small matters, you won't be faithful in large ones. If you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? What are true riches? They're not, that doesn't mean more money. That means with revelation. The true riches of heaven. The economy of heaven. Um, 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 we can store our treasure in heaven right now. And when we need it, we can access it. <laughs> If you haven't put any, anything away, don't, don't, if you write a check, it'll be overdrawn. Do you? In seasons like this, how do we prepare for seasons that are coming? By putting, storing our treasures in heaven. Not putting our hands in our pocket and sitting on our hands. I'm not going to give an extra offering in a minute. I'm just saying. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Unless you're faith, so, so this is how banks work. I'm going to oversimplify how banks work. Let me just finish this and I'll say this. And if you are not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with the money of your own? What we handle here at the church is other people's money all the time. We're stewarding other people's money. The, the, the requirement of that is that we're faithful with the money we've been given to handle personally. He's saying what we do in the natural impacts the supernatural. How you handle your finances now determines what takes place in the transaction between heaven and earth. Let's just say we have a guy named Peter. Peter's a prospector. Peter has gold. But Peter, Peter needs meat and potatoes. All he's got is gold. So Peter goes to Bob the banker. And he goes to Bob the banker, and uh, he says, I'd like, I need meat and potatoes. All I got is gold. He said, okay, you give me your gold, and I'll give you some paper, you can take that to the marketplace and you can buy meat and potatoes. How nice of Bob. All you have to do is pay a little interest, which violates the scriptures. How are you gonna handle other people's money? Are you gonna use it like Bob does? So what does he do? So then he gives him paper and the paper he uses now to go buy meat and potatoes. Um, he charges interest and Bob's able to make a little money without working. So with that interest, he makes a little bit of money for himself, and he uh, then decides, I'm going to borrow more money out. 
This is working pretty good. Whose money is he using? Not Bob's. He's using Peter's. And along comes Paul. Paul's a politician. Paul makes rules. Paul says, I want to help people. I want to help the uneducated people. I want to go help them. And he says, but I need some money to do that. Could you give me some money? Bob says, sure, I'll give you money. Their interest is going to be a little higher. He says, that's okay, because the people will pay for it anyway. Taxes. I'm oversimplifying. And Paul says, about Peter's money, Paul says, uh, he says, Bob, if you borrow me that money with, at exorbitant interest, using other people's money, neither of this is their money. If you borrow me your, this money at high interest, I'll pass a law to say what you're doing is just fine. Oversimplification. We're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And between the two of them, because they, they really need Peter, but what they've figured out is how to f- function without Peter. And who keeps them accountable? They keep accountable to each other. Follow the money. Who's responsible for the deficit spending of our current government? How, listen, I could be completely wrong. But do you think we can keep spending money and not have to someday pay it back? I have a hunch that people, all the people, they know, okay, we're moving towards an economic crash. Okay, what do we do? Let's just make more money. Oh, but we don't have any gold to back it up. That's okay. Oversimplification. How, how does the, I'm talking about the worldly system. Is money bad? No. There's no place in the Bible God ever denounces wealth. But he says, if you don't understand how to manage it and you don't learn how to release it, it'll actually become godlike in your heart. You can't serve them both. So, so what if somebody offers you money to do something? You, mm, what's going on? Is there something wrong with someone giving you money to do something? Not really, unless there's a spirit behind it that is ungodly and unhealthy. Say no more, say no more. I don't think I will. In Genesis chapter 26, here's what what I want to get to though. I'm saying, why why do we need to be generous? Genesis 26 says, now a severe famine struck the land. And as had happened before in Abraham's time, so Isaac moved moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, the king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to him there and he said this, don't go down to Egypt. What's Egypt? A A type of, in scripture, it's always a type of the world. So here's what he's saying. Don't go use the world system. And he says, if you, if, if you choose to go use the world system, it's not that I'm going to break covenant with you, but he says, if you'll use my system of generosity and trust me, here's what I'll do. If you use my system, do as I say, stay here in this land, and if you do, I'll be with you and I'll bless you and I'll give all of this land to you and your descendants just as I solemnly pro- promised Abraham, your, your descendant. What, what is he saying? He says, if you want to, I guess, I'd rather you didn't, but if you want to be part of that world system, I suppose you could. But there's another system, and that's my system, where you hear my voice and you trust me. Another system. I'm not saying people take your money out of the bank. I'm not saying that. That'd be dumb. I'm just saying there's another system that's at work. Can you see it? 
Can you feel it? Acts chapter 11, verse 27, it says, tough times are coming, take an offering. That's what he said. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because you're gonna have to make a decision. Who are you going to trust? Who gets, who gets your loyalty? Is it gonna be the government or is it gonna be God? That's what we're moving towards. That's what we're in. So he says in 1 Corinthians, it's already been quoted, sorry, 2 Corinthians. And you all know the forgotten beatitude. This is, tr- this is the truth. It's more blessed to give than receive. It's not in Matthew chapter five, but Paul says it later. Acts chapter 20, do you know that? It's true. Paul does this, the crazy thing in 2 Corinthians, he lays out this story about the Macedonians, verse, chapter eight, verse one. Now I wanna tell you, brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done for the church of Macedonia. Though, uh, though they have been through much trouble, hard times, their wonderful joy and deep poverty has overflowed in rich generosity. <laughs> Interesting math. Uh, For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will, personal choice. They made a choice. No spirit of Jezebel, control, fear, manipulation. Completely at their own free will. And they begged us again and again for gracious privilege of sharing in the gift of the Christians in Jerusalem. Best of all, they went beyond our highest hopes for their first action was to dedicate themselves to the Lord and then to us for whatever direction God might lead them. All right. The word deep poverty means rock bottom destitute. It describes a beggar who has absolutely nothing and no hope of anything. That's what it means. Here's here's what he's saying. I can assure you of a future if you'll be willing to trust me on the front end. They had a revelation of the grace of God. So let me just do the math for you. We'll add it together. uh, Much trouble, hard times, wonderful joy, and deep poverty equals rich generosity. Sometimes we think that our generosity is determined by our circumstances, not according to the kingdom of God. A slow reading of this would indicate there's some, one more ingredient that's there. That's called grace. They were under pressure, their, but it was their choice, their free will, and they begged. They wanted. They begged because because grace frees us from both from both sin and self. It's very possible that the reason they were in deep poverty is because they took a stand for Christ and lost their jobs as part of the trade guilds. Very possible that they lost their jobs and that deep poverty mixed with God's grace turned them into people who are what? Overcomers of the world system. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's not an easy word. I just trying to make it as fluffy as I can so you'll be, receive it. <laughs> Open your mouth, here comes supper. <laughs> One of the things that happened to us when we joined the C3 movement was... Um, we were downloaded a revelation on, uh, on generosity. This is, is, so, so what happens? What happens when you connect yourself with a body of people who have greater revelations, the, their revelations flow to you by inheritance because you're holding your heart right towards the leaders. You, yeah, we've been easily misunderstood by those people who are always asking for money because we think it's for us rather than it's for you in order for God to get something to you. See, he, there's nothing for sale in the kingdom of God. You knew that, right? Can't buy me love. 
You can't, God, God's not, he has nothing to sell. What comes to us is out of relationship. It's called inheritance. It flows to sons and daughters in right relationship. We don't have to beg God for provision. We have to obey God for the flow. <clears throat> yes, Lord. Here's, here, this is us, generous. This is us, generous. We get into the word and we allow the Lord to give us a revelation on what it means to trust in him. The Bible says that the borrower is servant to the lender. The world economic system was designed to enslave you for you to become a borrower. I'm, I'm, here's what I'm, this is us, breaking the world systems. You know what the world money system is driven by? The Bible calls it the great harlot, mystery Babylon. Who are we fighting with? That spirit. Buy into the system. Here's what we'll do when, there's, when, 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 when fear gets involved, we'll trade f- freedom for security. Rather than finding our security, Christ, he says, no, no, if you find your security in me, I can assure you of this, you'll be looked after. If, you, if your alliance is to the world system, don't expect me to provide for you. The topic of money is mentioned more than any other in Scripture. Uh, but nowhere does it ever say that money is the root of all evil. It says that it's the love of money. That's called mammon. A better word, mammon does not equal money. It equals avarice or the love of or the desire for or the need for. Mammon is a type, it's, a, it's God-like because if we trust the spirit of mammon, it gives us a sense of safety and security because we think I can use my money to get what I don't need to trust God for. The kingdom of God is a cashless society as well. The fulfillment the fulfillment of breaking the spirit of the great harlot, the, fu- the fulfillment uh, if, as the world system continues towards an economic collapse, you all know. Who's going to pay back the billions and billions of dollars and our prime minister is spending billions and billions more, not his own money, ours. He's spending more and more. Ra- he'll just raise the taxes. It's okay. We'll find some money. We'll go talk to Bob the banker. Print money. It's not backed by Peter the prospector. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen? They all know it's going toward the world collapse. And then what's going to ha- happen? Well, the, the, la- the collateral that you put up for is now he has a- they have access to your lands and properties. This has never worked uh, in any other socialist or communist society. This is, the, this is the charge forward. Collapse the economic system. Is that even possible? Sounds, sounds almost impossible if we didn't think that there was such a thing as a word that says, a day will come in Revelation chapter 13, verse 17, where you won't be able to buy and sell unless you have the mark of the world system. Is that even possible? Apparently it's possible. How do we prepare, how do we prepare for that? By learning to trust in the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. Don't expect a harvest if you don't have any seed in the ground. It's a bit foolish. I'm just saying, how do we prepare ourselves for the future? We draw upon the provision of the Lord the harvest of the Lord, because we've planted unto the Lord. And who is the Lord of the harvest? He is the Lord of the harvest. Isn't it foolish to think as a farmer you can, put, you can get a harvest where you haven't sown? When you bring your tithes and offerings into the house of the Lord, you're not giving to C3, you're giving as unto the Lord. 
You can choose your storehouse where you want to be fed. You can choose that. So mammon is the desire for and the need for money, and it fuels greed and the lust for power. This is what reveals our heart more than anything. And Luke 16 says, if you can't be trusted with money, then how can I trust you with true riches? Haman's influence was with money. This spirit is at work. Are you aware of it? It's at work. It's always been at work in the world. It's, it's crescendoing. <laughs> it's, um, Luke 16 reminds us, the world economic system is birthed by Mystery Babylon, where wealth is a means of control to seduce, to manipulate, and to destroy. Um, it should be no surprise to you, but during the election, politicians make agreements with corporations. The one with money rules over the one without money. They will pass laws to benefit them and oppress others. Iniquity is the violating, it's the violating of God's law, and he warns us about borrowing with interest. He warns us about that. Um, so we can do the basic math, and we know what we're charging towards. How do we prepare? A time has come when those who overcome were prepared by knowing, trusting, and following God's voice. This is us. We're generous people. We don't hoard. We release. We release in faith. We don't function under fear. God's not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of faith. In a few moments, they're gonna, the band's going to come back again. Don't get too rushy, but any minute now. This is, this is us. I know what they're thinking, because I see the time. I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'm just about out. That's okay. That's okay, because I'm, 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 I'm basically done. I'm just about overstayed my welcome. <laughs> just about. But I'm trying to help you understand. I'm trying to do the best I can to articulate what I think the Scripture's revealing to me. If you came to get your ears tickled, you came to the wrong place. I'm trying to reveal what the Lord's sharing with me. And if it doesn't make sense, well, let it toss it out. I may be wrong. But if it rings true even a little bit, it's dependent upon you and I to respond to the Lord and to his word. Just go over the scriptures and maybe we'll hear it. So it's time to start knowing the Lord as our source. It's time to start knowing the Lord as our source. Maybe you knew him as savior, but do you know him as source? He's not forgotten the recipe for manna. We might be tempted to grumble about the manna. We might be a little disturbed when supper comes by a raven. Are you listening to me? What I say may fall on deaf ears or it may fall on ears that are hungry to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. I kept hearing this word all week, foreboding. There's a darkness that's captivating people's minds and heart. And you and I carry the light of the gospel that brings hope. And we don't have to hoard. One of the hardest things for me, I can give of my time very easy. I can give of my revelations very easy. When I'm asked to write a check for $2,000 to somebody I don't know, very hard. I might be the only one that feels that here. Lord, that can't be you. But what if he wants, what if he has put you in a place that you're able now to bless other people in a time when they, listen, the church of Jesus Christ has answers that nobody else on the planet has. We've got solutions to problems that nobody else has. We have a spirit of overcoming that people in the world do not have. They're getting under it. 
and they feel, oh no, what do I do? I feel it. What do we do? Here's what you do. Find somebody who's a Bible-believing, spirit-filled, son of the living God, get close to them, and let generosity rub off on them. This is us. Share your revelations that God gives you every week. Be generous with your revelations. Don't hoard. Now, this is not just money. There's a money system, but there's also another system that says, I better be quiet in a situation like this. No, you better start speaking up. If you don't, the stones will. So impressed by my grandson yesterday, he says, I'm going to go evangelize over at Chinook Mall. I said, oh gosh, I'm not. It's way easier for me to go hide at the burn and just sing. Don't send me, Lord. Send him. Isn't it? Don't you find it a little bit challenging to share a word that the Lord's given you and you're in a moment? Who, who could know but that God's put you in a place for just such a time as this with a word of hope, with a word of life, with a word and maybe even a check to say, God bless you, not just with words, but with some substance. Why? This is us, generous. We've overcome. Greater is he that's in you. Have you heard that before? What if that's in the scriptures? Greater is he. Who is he? He is the Holy Spirit. Do you know him? Jehovah Jireh, the Lord whose provision will be seen. Do you know him? You better get to know him, people. I'm just saying, you better get to know him, people. The opposite as being part of another system that'll pull you down. I'm trying. Did I get through? Then I'm done. Thank you, Lord. Stand to your feet, please. Let's wrap it up. What was that song, the last one? I'm just getting generous with my water. Where the spirit of the Lord is. Not the spirit of Jesus, but the Lord of Lords who has control, final say, over our emotions, over our revelation, and over our pocketbooks. This is, a, this is a, where the Spirit of the Lord, Spirit of the Lord. You feel, I feel liberty in here, but you're gonna have to go into the world. But that's okay, he's overcome the world. In the name of Jesus, let it rest upon these people. Father, put a fight. Put, put, let the lion of Judah roar within our hearts. Let us not be silent. If we're silent, the rocks will start to cry out. Lord, use my voice. To, use my voice to praise you. Use my voice to glorify you. Use my voice to, to bring praise to your name and bring liberty to your people. Father, in this day, that feels like the darkness is starting to win. I declare it cannot win over light. It's never been able to. All it takes is a little flashlight to shine in darkness and darkness is overcome. Father, today in this place, I declare there's no more foreboding. There's no more anxiety. There's no more jumpiness. There's no more fear of the unknown because we are those people that walk by faith and not by sight. God, I declare supernatural power, supernatural grace, the grace, the ability 
the grace to give where we need to give. God bless these people, I pray this morning. And here's why, because you are our living hope. You're not a dead hope, you're our living hope. So Lord, here we are, send us in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you, you're released, go change your world. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.